When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Just to give you a heads up, one of us is bound to say something not suitable for little ears. Welcome to Mom and Daughter Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, February 24th, the Turning Into a Math Monster edition. I'm Elizabeth Newcamp. I write the homeschool and family travel blog, Dutch Dutch Goose. I'm the mom to three littles, Henry, who's nine, Oliver, who's seven, and Teddy, who's five. And we live in Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm Zach Rosen. I host the Best Advice Show podcast. I'm from Detroit, where I live with my family. My daughter Noah is four, and my son Ami is one. I'm Jamila Lemieux, a writer, contributor to Slate's Care and Feeding Parenting column, and mom to Naima, who's just about nine, and we live in Los Angeles, California. Well, on today's show, we're tackling math anxiety. Our letter writer is trying to help her child with math, but it's all mixed up with her own issues of perfectionism and causing problems with her partner. Then, parenting burnout. We're all facing it, but what can we do to make it more manageable? And on Slate Plus, the Winter Olympics are over, but it got us thinking all about how we handle sports with our own kids. Before we get into all of that goodness, we received this email from a male listener who participated in Cotillion and had this to say. Mom and Dad, I appreciated your recent episode entitled The Cotillion Conundrum. My sister and I experienced a similar situation to the child of the caller in our teenage years. We were black children who grew up in very white neighborhoods and attended very white schools. We had the opportunity to participate in what was referred to as social, which was essentially the white cotillion. Many of our peers participated under the justification that it would teach them the manners of adult society and perhaps open connections to later opportunities. From speaking with friends who attended, It seems none of them particularly enjoyed it, and much of what they learned, as pointed out by one of your hosts, was genteel, but antiquated. My sister and I did not participate in this endeavor. However, later in high school, my sister did become involved with the organization that ran a cotillion for black girls in a neighboring town with a much larger black population. My parents felt that this was a valuable experience for her. And given their need for male dance partners, I was bullied into participating as the escort of another young lady. While I reluctantly participated, looking back 25 years later, it was a really valuable experience to have the opportunity to interact with other black youth who shared the same goals and aspirations, something we did not experience much. The vast majority of black or biracial children that grow up in white neighborhoods will have a foot in both white and black worlds. It is amazingly helpful to have the experience of both separately and have the space to figure out how you fit into both and gain a comfort level with the dichotomy. Sincerely, learned more than dancing. 
that's a really interesting perspective. And I, you know, appreciate hearing that. I have friends who, like, I attended a cotillion. A number of my friends were debutantes. It was a, a big deal. And it was one of the biggest ones in uh, the city. And I, they had a really positive experience with it. And I saw throughout college that they would still have connections with people that they were introduced to through that experience. Conversely, my father, and obviously this was a long time ago, um, was offered money by the mother of a little girl or young woman who wanted him to escort her daughter because he was light skinned. Mm. You know, mm. um, he she he was like, I didn't have good manners. I wasn't the type of kid, you know, he, she would have wanted around her daughter. I just had to look. And so there's a, such a complicated, you know, as we talked about before, history as it comes to this stuff. But yeah. I, I do love you sharing your positive experience. So thank you. And we love hearing we love letters. Thanks so much for sharing your story. And you can always write to us at momanddad at slate.com. All right, let's move on to some parenting stories from our week. Zach, do you want to start? Sure. So, um, you know how, like, anytime you're about to travel with your kids, you, like, don't sleep for the week prior and have just, like, a duffel bag's worth of anxiety and just thinking about, oh, my God, what if my baby cries on the whole flight? And is it worth it to even travel with kids? Uh, Is the plane going to take off on time? Are we going to be stranded on the runway? All that stuff. I can't be the only one who has that anxiety. So so we were planning a trip, um, and we had a, a flight last week that was set to leave from Detroit to go to Arizona, where we were planning on going to visit family. The day before our flight, I get a notification from my weather app. It's like, bro, there's about to be a huge storm. <laughs> oh, um, no. Yeah. It said, it said bro. Um, like, there's going to be three to six inches. It's going to be, might be some rain, some snow. There's going to be really icy roads. So I started talking to Shira, like, we need to try to get off earlier otherwise we are not going to get on that flight tomorrow and so like a champ she's a champion travel agent she is able to switch our flights at at no cost and we move the flight up 24 hours which means now we just have like a half a day to pack we hadn't really started packing we had to get a bunch of stuff together and we just like go into overdrive mode and get everything ready pack the carry-on pack the the suitcases and we're planning to send the kids to school the following morning just for half a day so I can, you know, clean the house a bit so she can get a half day of work in at her office. And then we get a call from my son's school at noon. This is like an hour before we're supposed to pick him up and head to the airport. Uh, Ami has a fever. You need to come pick (gasps) him up. So I'm just like, oh, why? I want this vacation so bad. Please, why are you getting sick now? Uh, so I go and pick him up and the teacher thinks maybe it's an ear infection because he's touching his ear. Thankfully, I don't know if you all know this, but my wife is, uh, is trained in internal medicine and pediatrics. So she's a doctor and I took him over to her office. She looks with an otoscope in his ear and indeed, actually her colleague looked and indeed, uh, it looks like he has a minor ear infection. So now we have a couple hours to get to the airport and also fill a prescription for amoxicillin. We call it into uh, a CVS like near the airport. We are in the car and just flooring it. And we think that we're going to make the flight. Like, I think we're doing okay. Get the medicine. 
Um, he seems to be calm. We gave him some Motrin. His fever came down a bit. We get to the airport. We scarf some sandwiches right before we get on the flight, change him into pajamas, give him his medicine, get on the flight. We actually get on the flight. He's sucking his pacifier. Eventually he falls asleep. He slept for the whole flight, guys. We made it. <laughs> we made it. And he didn't flip out on the plane. It was amazing. Amazing. A real, whew, real travel triumph. We're here. We're here in you Arizona. You have to take each of those, you know, as their own little miracle, I think. Absolutely. <laughs> a series of miracles. A series of miracles. I feel so, so, so grateful. So wait, is amoxicillin the key to traveling with the <laughs> that's, kid? That's the ear that's for the ear infection. No, I know. I'm just saying, does it also maybe oh, make it a little bit easier? Maybe. I <laughs> yeah, don't know. I yeah. mean, I think it was the Motrin. Maybe the excitement but, from the day. I don't know. I when we, when we traveled with little ones, we would always try to have like a really exciting airport time, just like, look at all this stuff, you know, <laughs> in hopes recent, that like yeah. when we got on the airplane, it was just like <laughs> that is very helpful. Yeah. The more stuff we do during the day, the mm-hmm. easier the flight True. is at night. True. My key to traveling with kids is that if the baby cries, you should take the baby because people are much kinder to dads with crying babies than they are to moms with crying babies. Like when Jeff would hold one of the crying kids, it was like everyone wanted to help him. And when I would hold the so crying true. kid, they were just like, why can't you make your baby be quiet? Freaking patriarchy. I'm sorry. On behalf of men, that's such bullshit. But use that to your advantage. Use it to your I will. advantage. If you can. I'll exploit it if I need to. Jamila, how about you? What's going on with you this week? So first, Naima on her own deserves a triumph because in one weekend, she did two performances of her first dance recital. This was a dance recital that was postponed from Kwanzaa because of COVID. Uh, and she played in her first basketball game. Ooh. Amazing. In the little league she's playing in. And so, like, I'm just awed by her versatility, but also a little overwhelmed by the amount of time that these activities <laughs> took. Yeah, how many days, days a week are you doing that? Right now, dance is only once a week on Saturdays, as is basketball. Um, but before, and hopefully again soon, dance is like Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. And if she does Monday and Wednesday, we would probably let her off the hook for Saturday dance. So she mm-hmm. could just do basketball on Saturday. And she does basketball on Friday night practice and Saturday games. So she does practice with her dad. But, you know, I go to the game, of course. And so the dance performance was amazing. And it's this big show. And it's like, if you live out here, you might be familiar with the company. They have adults, you know, it's not just the kids. So it's like a real professional dance show that your children happen to be in. It was also two and a half hours long. Oh my God. So as a person who struggles with attention span <laughs> and whose child was only in the second half, because the kids were only in the second act, it was a lot for me. God, I have to admit, it was a lot. I enjoyed it. Uh, but so there was a performance on Friday night and a performance on Saturday, Sunday afternoon. Did you go to both? So I went to. So <laughs> funny enough, so Naima's dad and I went to both. Her brother and stepmom weren't able to make it on Sunday. And Naima was upset at her. We had to have a talk about it. She was like, why, you know, I work so hard. My brother should see both of my shows. And I'm like, well, they do multiple. First of all, they were limited tickets because it was a very small, you know, performance yeah. because of COVID. And I said, and also the reason that they 
do multiple shows is so that everyone can see it. But like, you right. can't really expect your friends and family to come to like every performance. And so when I so much as like sniffed the idea that maybe I would only be at one, she looked at me like, <laughs> on Sunday, I came, I swiped my ticket and I left and I came back after intermission. <laughs> <laughs> That's how to do it. Okay, hey, listen, I, just, I, I think that's perfectly acceptable. Yeah, you don't have to be watching all these other kids dancing. They were adults. Yeah, they're adults. You posted a little um, snippet of both things mm-hmm. on Instagram, and it is just like, char- she just always has this presence. It's just so charming. Uh, but I think there's no shame in you not sitting through the first half of the performance in which she doesn't even perform yeah. in twice. Totally. Right? I felt bad, you know, because I'm like, oh, somebody else could have had this seat. But I had to be there to see her. There was yeah. no way out. Yeah. Sure. I was no either, way out. You know? That's efficient parenting. Thank you. Well, I also, I have like a triumph plus just like a, like a quandary about parenting. So we took kind of like a wild trip to Fort Collins, Colorado, which is only two hours north of us. And so we could go there for a day trip, but we thought we have this long weekend let's go stay up there and just do some like some things are just totally normal. They have a really great rec center that has ice skating and has swimming. So we went and did that. And then um, in Cheyenne, just over the border into Wyoming, they have this bison farm you can go on and it's like they're raising bison for meat, but you can take this weird train and feed (laughs) these bison. And one of the things they let you do is, this sounds so gross and I did not do it, but my, my husband and my son did put um, food in your mouth and lean out of the train and the oh my bison God, no. will what? lick it out of your mouth. So French and kissing bison. Got it. Kissing bison. Yes. And, mm-hmm. and Henry, despite every time making this face that was just like, Oh yuck. Just kept doing it. <laughs> so like, how many times, you know, and he said like, where else am I going to kiss a bison? I was like, all right, fair oh. enough. Um, so he did that. But then we we met up with friends in Rocky Mountain National Park to go sledding because one of the things I love doing is being able to go back and visit places that we have been in the summer, but then kind of see how they change in the winter. And one of the things you can mm. do at Rocky Mountain is actually hike across this this lake. It freezes all the way. You hike over to the other side. In the summer, we had hiked around it, but now we got to hike over it. But they also have a pretty decent sledding hill. So we brought our sleds with us, went there. This is like the kind of sledding hill where you should not be in a tube because it is in the national park. So there's like an icy river on one side and some trees. And so you really, in a in the plastic sleds where you can have your feet down, you have some more kind of traction. But we, we got there early. We had pretty good sledding runs. There are four adults, so two adults up at the top, two adults down at the bottom, as the temperature dropped, but the sun came out, the, the run got icier and was kind of taking kids either towards the trees or mm. towards the ice. But as we had kind of finished up, there are other parents coming. And the big debate is like, do I get involved with these other parents to say like, hey, the sledding run is a little like it's getting a little dangerous. Jeff and Ryan, the other dad, rescued a nine-year-old boy who went through the ice into the stream. It's negative seven or so. So if you're wet and you don't get changed, you're going to be in trouble. Um, But then this group of parents came up and they had all these little kids. And I just, you know, I'm like saying to Jeff, I should go say something to them. It's like, I don't want to ruin their fun. And I don't want to act like, hey, I know better. But I also feel like if I arrived, I would want someone to say like, hey, all the sleds are kind of going towards this tree or towards this. And sure enough, they, I, don't, I ended up not saying anything at first. And sure enough, the, 
first sled that cut the first two sleds came down with parents they were totally fine because the parent is keeping it slow and keeping their feet down Mm -hmm. the first sled that came down with a sort of middle range child probably seven-year-old went right towards the tree and we're Mm -hmm. all down there screaming bail out bail out bail out and she does bail out she of course hits her face on the ground and it's icy Mm -hmm. i mean she was fine but i went over there and i finally was like hey (laughs) Because I could see her saying, like, well, let's start a little bit this way. I'm like, well, if you start over there, you're going to send your kid into this into this river. But I just, it's like, I don't want to ruin the fun. But so, so I guess I'm a little bit asking for some feedback about when do I get involved? I always want to be involved, but I also don't want to sound like, hey, mm. I know all the answers or I'm putting a damper on your fun. No, um, then that's when you get involved. That story you told was a good time to get involved. In Colorado sledding, these are pretty steep hills, right? Oh yeah, this is. I mean, this is down one of the mountains. At, yeah, this at is Rocky this Mountain. is hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a totally reasonable thing for you to have done. Get involved, okay? Yeah, yeah. I think like for someone who always wants to get involved, I understand where it feels like. Gosh, I'm always the one getting involved. I like feel. I always got to be that person, mm-hmm. and I get it because it's one thing to be like, oh, I want to tell them that the lighting's not going to be great on their picture because we just wasted 15 <laughs> yeah. minutes doing the same thing. Like that be my one. That could be one of those times where you just have to let people have their own experience, and part of their story will be we got these kind of crummy pictures until we figured out after 15 minutes that we needed to move. <laughs> but like. If someone could get hurt, I think that's always, even if it's like not certain danger, you know, it's not like they will get hurt. It's like you might get hurt. I think that's still worth speaking up. It just felt like I'm standing. I mean, I travel with these people a lot, but I'm always the one (laughs) because I'm that same way. It's like we just had this experience. I want you to have a good time, (laughs) you know, but also I don't I really don't want another child in the creek. Right. (laughs) Yes. (sighs) Yes. <sighs> Safe fun. All right. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, enough about us. Let's dive into our first listener question. Dear mom and dad, my six-year-old daughter struggles with math. We do the suggested homework together a couple times a week, so I see firsthand that she doesn't appear to understand the basics and has a hard time moving on to other concepts. The other day, I asked her why she gets so upset when we do math together, and she said, I feel like if I get a problem wrong, you'll hate me. Oh, I have tried sending her to math prep and making fun games. I've also tried to not act like a monster, to no avail. I've asked my partner to take over math assistance, but he forgets, unless I nag him. For context, I come from an immigrant background and a household where academic achievements were highly emphasized. This turned me into a perfectionist with anxiety issues. My daughter is also black, so the idea of her being bad at math fills me with dread. Is there anything I can do to help her without ruining our relationship or making her math-phobic? Or should I just leave it to her teachers? Math monster. Now what we got to do with it? (laughs) This is a new one for me. I've never heard black people are bad at math. 
I kid. I understand what you're saying. This is part of your anxiety about them performing. But my first thought was like, wait a minute. Don't tell me there's a stereotype that I somehow missed out on that I could have leaned on because I'm bad at math. Go on, Zach. I mean, first of all, this is me. I am. I'm not the parent. I'm the kid. I always struggled with math. I still have some shame around it. I'm far enough removed from school now that I've that I'm okay knowing now that like, it's okay. This isn't going to dictate the rest of your life if you aren't good at math. But you're in the thick of it now. I get it. I mean, the first, there's a lot I think we can say about this. The first thing, obviously, and you probably know this, but when your kid says, uh, I feel like if I get a problem wrong, you'll hate me, you obviously have to reassure the heck out of them that that is not true. But what I did for this question is I turned to an expert, my uncle, is a kind of legendary retired math teacher in Metro Detroit, Richard Strauss. And I, I showed him your letter, Math Monster, and he gave some, some nice feedback here, some explicit feedback that I think might benefit you. So he said a couple things, the first of which is, I would try to involve your spouse in some of these math games. It would give them an opportunity to observe you in action and read any subtle cues you are sending which might show disapproval you might be sending unconsciously. You can also play a game like Monopoly, for instance, with your spouse and let your daughter be the banker, handing out the money and making change for the two of you. You know, I have, to, I have to pay $300. Would you take this 500 and make change? Also, my uncle says he'd suggest talking to their teacher and um, asking them for their observations and any suggested activities they'd recommend. But it, it, my uncle also says, and this is based on, you know, years of, of helping out kids who, who appear to be struggling, that she is probably improving, but slowly. And you want to look for small positive changes to comment on. When you did those adding problems tonight, you went through them quicker than you have before, stuff like that. And finally, when you talk to her teacher, ask what new math topic the class will be starting soon. And then what you can do is play a game with your daughter in advance that builds that skill um, that might help to put them a little bit ahead of the class and could build their confidence when it happens in school. So that's some advice from Richard Perrin Strauss that um, I think is, is really sound. I don't have much to add. I do want to really do your best to break up with the the pressure that you feel based on your identity and achievement, you know, which is really not fair to yourself or to your child for you to feel that because you're an immigrant, because you're black um, or because your child, your daughter is black, uh, that there is this higher standard that you're held to than other people and that you have to be twice as good or work twice as hard. Just don't do that. Like your child is a person who is being introduced to a new concept that is not immediately fun or easy to her. And so, you know, it, it's taken some, it, it's going to take some work for math to become something that she can uh, feel confident about. But it, I just would, just please don't have that attitude that, you know, it's not okay for a little black girl to be bad at math because it's totally fine for a little black girl to be bad at math. She could excel at something else. I am bad at math. Math has never been my strong suit. I did really well, um, so well in other parts of standardized tests that I was able to carry my score with just that because the math one was usually pretty pathetic. And I, I think I turned out just fine. Mm -hmm. I would just add you know, your daughter's saying, I'm worried about getting a problem wrong, that you're going to hate me or be upset with me. Uh, just remind her that, like, 
during this process and while doing other schoolwork with me, you're going to get things wrong and I'm going to have to correct you. And I know that doesn't always feel good. And it may remind you of me having to tell you that you've done something wrong when we're playing in the house or, you know, uh, if you've made a mess or disobeyed in some way, it might give you those same feelings of I've somehow disappointed my parents. And that's not true. Right. And that even when you make yeah. those little mistakes around the house, it's not about disappointing us. You know, it's that our job is to teach you the right thing to do. So it's not that you're doing anything wrong, but having wrong answers. You are learning and I am here to help guide you in learning. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. I really think here you need to put the brakes on because at six, it's really hard to be bad at math. There are kids who <laughs> like math and there are kids who don't like math. I think the thing is that if you are so overcome with your drive for perfectionism and listen, I had a fail about like I literally pushed Henry <laughs> on, on this on doing this presentation because I felt this way. So uh, mm -hmm. we're all there with you. Every parent does this. But I I think if you're reflecting on this, if it is coming down to your relationship or her math skills, your relationship is so much more important. Yeah. So first, really center on that. If that means that you hand this off to your partner, then hand it off. But that means that you're not involved. And and if nothing improves, then you just say, this was not my thing. She has teachers. She has, you know, your partner. And they are the people dealing with this. I'm going to rebuild the relationship. Now, with that being said, honestly, if she hates it so much, I would I, I think Zach's advice um about talking to the teacher is is great and specifically saying my concern is not her scores my concern is that she hates this mm -hmm. because at six if she hates it high school is going to be hard guys so what you need to do now is shift to liking it and i'm a huge huge advocate for game schooling in this scenario which may mean telling the teacher we're not doing any more math homework at home what i will promise you is that once a week we will play a math game or this many times we will play a game that involves some kind of math um we've had jessica waldock from the waldock way on the show and she has an amazing list of the best math games um for basically any math skill so you should go check out her webpage and you you can find a math game that that will reinforce any skill in kind of a fun way. A couple that we love here are Boom Goes the Dynamite, which I have recommended before, and I love it because you can really adjust it to be um, slow and working together. You can adjust it to be like fast-paced, whatever your kid likes um, and you're going to get the most out of, and you can play as a family. We play as a family, letting uh, Teddy do like basic addition using counters while we play, but we play with Henry going really fast because he likes that. So, so fast, in fact, that I actually can't play with him anymore, like him and mm. Jeff play. Um, I also really, if your kid is into like playing computer games, then I um, really love the Prodigy Education game. It is a computer game. You can get an app for it. There's a free version that you can try. And if you like it, you can get a subscription. You don't have to have the subscription, but it allows them. It has like gamified math. These are really good ways to let your kids enjoy doing math. 
The other thing is that math is everywhere in your life. So if you can just say, we don't have to do these problems. We can, we love cooking together. We're going to cook together, but today we're not going to use the um, cup, you know, the cup is missing. We can only use the fourth of a cup. So let's figure everything else out. You know, you're doing fractions, you're adding, you're, you're, all of those Mm -hmm. things are there. We're going to double this recipe. You can sneak math in. So many places, if you guys like shopping, go shopping together, but pay with cash, have her do all the cash stuff, have her add up things at the grocery store. There are these ways to integrate it, just little pieces every day that this is just how our family does this little math and leave leave the homework for school because it's it's ruining your relationship. I have this happen in homeschool. The kids, the the work sometimes gets really hard and they get really frustrated with me as the teacher. And I find that the best thing to do is kind of back up. Another thing is to ask, like, show me what's hard about this because it sounds like if her basic skills are lacking, the the multiplication, the addition and you're moving to something more complicated, she may feel like she can't move. And what I would recommend then is like, if you're moving to like long division or two-digit two numbers times two-digit numbers, get a little uh, multiplication chart and let her use that when doing the homework or the math work so that that basic memory, those basic skills that she's not there yet can be used um, you know, you don't have to do that in addition to learning how to do this new type of math. So I think there's ways just to break it down. You should absolutely be having a conversation with your teacher. I I just, it's, it, <laughs> it's hard when your kids get frustrated, but I just have really found that if you can calm down the frustration, there's the opportunity then to learn again. But nobody can learn when everybody's, everybody's stressed and then you're doing more math. I don't know. What do you think about because you're forthcoming, uh, Math Monster, with your anxiety and your kind of uh, the the kind of generational stuff that you're bringing to bear here. What do you think about letting your kid in on that? Like, I have been giving you a hard time because I was raised to be a perfectionist. I have all this anxiety around it. Like, do you think that could help to kind of t- give your kid some context to your madness? I think so. You know, Mm -hmm. I think that's something that because it's going to come up with a lot of other stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not just math. It's not just school, you know. Um, So let your child know that this is something that, you know, in age appropriate terms that you're working against, you know, that you're trying to manage. And so that you want your expectations to be reasonable. But sometimes, you know, you go back to that place where you feel like you have to be perfect or you have to be more than and that that's not how you want her to judge herself or feel about herself. And so that she shouldn't feel that pressure. And she will likely call you out over it over the years. You know, mm-hmm. um, children of immigrants, uh, as well as black kids who got that, you know, work twice as hard to get right. half as much speech growing up are very vocal, you know, about the ways that they were made to feel Um coming up and so if you can get in front of this now it can be something that you all work through together as opposed to a burden that you're passing on yeah yeah like exposing your anxiety is a demonstration of your imperfection which is going to be helpful for your kid to see that they're not the only ones that aren't perfect especially when you're telling them that failing like not getting something right is part of the process to, mm-hmm. to let them in on right. on yours, right? Because, right. I mean, a lot of math is getting it wrong until you get it right. Like, that's the whole idea of proofs. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, don't, times... I don't want to talk about proofs. 
I the the last thing I think is that to find out too, like what does your daughter love doing and how is math related to that? Mm, because even great. those of us that feel like we were bad at math, we're not bad at all math. We're good at the math related to what we need to do, whether that's like budgeting or if you want to go into any kind of science field, like what math specifically do you need for that? And it's okay to focus on that. It's okay for some skills for you to say to your kid, like, Hey, we really need to get down, get this down, or like this other stuff. We just need to get through this. You you will probably never need to use this again, and that's okay. So let's just figure out how to get that that passing right. We don't need to ace the stuff that we don't need. One of the things that is hard, I think, about the American school system is like you have to be good at everything, as opposed to saying like I may literally never do this because I'm not inter- interested in any field. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> I, I can really feel, I mean, I just think this is, if it's not this, it's going to be reading. It's going to be, it's going to be something else. Um, yeah. Let yourself off the hook. Well, Math Monster, please keep us updated on how things are going. Everyone else, if you have a parenting question of any type, send it to us at slate.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company & Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, Shasha, let's hear our next question. Dear Mom and Dad, How do you deal with parenting burnout? Long story short, we've been stuck inside for most of the past two months thanks to -to back-to-back colds, snowy weather, and COVID quarantine. My kids are three and four. I'm burnt out, overstimulated, not at my best, and crawling out of my skin. Even if I get time to myself, it just doesn't feel like enough. I know I'm struggling with depression symptoms. I started seeing a new therapist, but they're on maternity leave until the beginning of March. Everything just feels like a lot right now. On top of that, my kids just have been so extra. I can tell they're also stir crazy. My son isn't an easy kid to begin with, so that's been turned up a notch. And my daughter has also been doing things like taunting her brother, yelling or getting mad about small things, picking fights with him over nothing, etc., By the end of most days, I feel like a caged animal that's been repeatedly rattled around throughout the day. Between living during COVID and struggling with mental health, I feel like I'm messing up the whole parenting thing. I feel like I'm not good enough to parent them, and that I made a mistake. Not because I don't love them, but because I feel like I'm insufficiently prepared. Is it spring here yet? Sincerely, burned out. Well burned out you have our sympathies for sure you shouldn't feel bad for feeling bad and you know that but sometimes it's worth hearing that take breaks where you can 
you know, and I, I understand that you said it feels like they're not enough, but to the best of your ability, you have to learn to maximize your breaks. You know, I've learned yeah. that when I'm burned out and I've only got a short amount of time for a quick nap or for a reset or, you know, I'm laying in bed at night. I have to take advantage of that rest time. I can't let it be lost to worrying or thinking about how I don't have enough time to rest. I have to use it for what it's for. Otherwise, um, it's not going to be helpful. And it's all that you have access to, right? Also, create some opportunities for downtime by putting your kids in front of a screen here and there, you know, or, you know, allowing them to play a game Mm -hmm. that can occupy their time with minimal interaction from you. Is there something that they can do spread out on the living room floor and you can lay out on the couch with a book and just halfway be at rest while watching them? You know, like, what are the small ways that you can make yourself feel better? Is it buying a new box of tea every time you go to the grocery store and have something to look forward to that's like a treat? Is it playing some of your favorite music in the car and introducing your kids to it as opposed to only listening to Disney soundtracks? You've got to steal back parts of your life for yourself in whatever small ways that looks like for you. Um, you, You have to have some of you for you. You can't be existing in full for your children. Um. If you feel that you're in need of immediate support, your therapist should be able to refer someone Mm -hmm. um, who might be taking on her load while she's on maternity leave. I know she's going to be back pretty soon, but if you feel that you can't wait, you also might want to consider Talkspace or another free or low-cost online therapy service if you just need somebody to stand in the gap until your therapist gets back um, from leave. I don't know your situation in terms of your social circles and family, Mm -hmm. but whomever the people that you have in your life that you turn to uh, or should be able to turn to, maybe you don't, you know, maybe you take these things on by yourself, but, you know, whether it's parents, siblings, you know, close friends, there are people out there who care about you, who, you know, should hear that you're struggling and would likely offer encouragement you know, if they were given the ability to do so. What do you guys think? Yeah, no, I I agree with all that. And I don't know if, you, if you're parenting with someone else burned out or if you're doing it solo, but regardless, like Jamila just said, figure out who the people are that you can lean on and really, really, really practice saying, I need this right now, I am struggling. And figuring out ways to fill your cup, not just like once in a while, but if at all possible. And it, and I hope uh, for your case burned out that it is possible that you have, even if you're leaning on different people every week, but figure out like an hour a week where you can drop your kids or someone can come over and you can do something that you love. Like, like remember what it is about, you know, life that you love and go do that thing. Like, Go read for an hour. One week, go go to the movies. Just like make a list of like everything that makes you happy, um, and just like imagine yourself feeling great. Like, what are you doing in those in those moments? I don't know if you're in a cold place like I am. Like, maybe just like go and swim at the YMCA and like listen to like tropical music while you do it. But just like really focus on yeah, your one of your jobs is to to be there for your kids, but like you just can't do that if you're not 
helping yourself. And that's just as important. It's like, what's the thing? Like put on your life mask. Yeah, before yeah, on an airplane before your kids around you. Yeah. yeah, like learn how to breathe again. Remind yourself that uh, life can be good if you know under certain circumstances. So lean on people. Say I need this, and then go and just have some regular fun, even if it's just for an hour. I think this is such great advice. I I just really. It's like I always just want to convey that the only thing that the kids really need are sort of meeting their very basic needs so like making sure that they have enough food right that the house is clean enough that it's not dirty it doesn't need to be sparkling it doesn't need to be um in perfect condition and then just loving your kids you you are not messing up parenting if you're loving them bad days bad weeks bad months that's part of the gig um whether (laughs) you know no matter what age your kids are so definitely cut you know give yourself some grace cut yourself some slack if the laundry's in a pile and you're all picking from there to where that's totally fine um whatever it looks like to to try to just get some rest for you and i think the other thing to to maybe try to focus on is just trying to get a little bit of harmony in the house and so looking at when are those moments when everything is is melting down because I definitely have those we have them on trips and Mm -hmm. I try to think like where was the moment that I could have intervened with minimal effort and if that's technology great if that's that after like when you're trying to prepare some kind of dinner I don't know what it is about between like four and six but kids are a mess like if that Mm -hmm. means you do a show or a movie or whatever your kids like to do play the switch i don't know whatever kind of keeps everybody of little kids maybe it's tablet time like put that in place as something that you do every day in the same way that something for self-care i also just really make a list of the things that have to get done and everything else cut out at three and four you don't Mm. even have to get your kids really dressed if they want to wear their pjs you know all day because that's okay it's okay i just think we have this expectation that parenting is all of these bonus things, but but it is bonus. All of that stuff, craft time, all of that is bonus. If you want to, you know, get out the Play-Doh and then throw it away because <laughs> you don't want to ever deal with it again, or that's like how you clean up, all of that is fine. So I think just letting yourself off the hook and know that even on your worst day, your kids are just excited that you're there. Your kids only really care that you love them and that you're parenting them. So as long as you are doing that, which it sounds like you are, it sounds yeah. like you are are to the best of your ability doing that. That's all that matters. And that's all that they're going to remember. So, so just let yourself off the hook a bit. Totally. No, that's great. Well burned out. Good luck. We feel you. We're rooting for you. Please keep us updated on how you're doing. And if you find anything that works for you, let us know that too, because this is definitely, you are definitely not the only one in this situation right now. Or listeners, let us know how how you're handling this. If you have another parenting question, of course, send it to us at slate.com. It's finally time for recommendations. So Jamila, what are you recommending this week? I am remiss in recommending like the best TV show in the world right now. Abbott Elementary. Hmm. If you have not yet watched Abbott Elementary, it is such a treat. 
It's about a public school in Philadelphia with these, you know, teachers that feel so realistic and they're hilarious. And the principals like a black female, Michael Scott. It's shot office style, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's documentary style. And it's just really great. Tyler James Williams from Everybody Hates Chris is on there as one of the teachers. And he's just grown up wonderfully. And it is just so funny and so sweet. I think if you've ever spent any time in a public school, it will feel familiar to you in a lot of ways. And it's just really, really good. It's a And it's a family show. It's really funny. And it's also a family show at once, which is pretty rare. So you watch it together? We watch it together. That's sweet. I just had a friend ask me, like, hey, what are you watching? That's kind of light. We were going through shows and we were like, gosh, this is all so heavy. So Abbott Elementary for light, feel good, uh, some good yes. laughs. Yeah. Where do you watch it? Uh, ABC or Hulu. Great. Thanks. Check it out. Zach, how about you? Uh, so you know how, I don't know, like so many kitchens I go into now have the Trader Joe's, um, like everything bagel seasoning, yeah. the, the, the mm-hmm. little thing of it. And like, if you like that stuff, like I do, you're going to go through that really fast. And then you're just going to start collecting all those little containers, which is a waste. My recommendation today is to make your own everything seasoning. So, you know, if you like you know, like the dried onion and garlic more than the poppy seed and sesame, like you can, the ratios are up to you. It's, it's, uh, it's, all, it's the world is your everything oyster. So, um, you know, you can go to like your local Spice Mart and buy the stuff in bulk. And then I keep it now in, in the big quart plastic container. I use the stuff, not just on um, bagels, but I use it on everything like eggs, toast, um, it's actually quite good on pasta Ooh. with like plain mm. pasta with little everything seasoning, some olive oil um, and some parm is really great. And it's al- it actually reminded me of what you were saying earlier, Elizabeth, of getting your kids involved in math stuff without really without it being explicitly math. You know, you can have them get in there with the measuring spoons and say, you know, I need twice as much garlic as we do, um, you know, poppy seeds. How are we going to do that? So um, it's a fun kind of family thing. It's not messy because it's it's nothing gooey. If if you spill something, you can just vacuum it up. But um, this is is my recommendation. I love this. Mm. uh, This would be really good for me because I like it, but it's too oniony for me. There you go. I like everything else. So I don't know why (laughs) I never thought like, hey, I could just make my own and make it less oniony. Exactly. I love it. Well, I'm recommending using a visual timer. And I've actually, um, in the show notes is the one that we use, but there are a lot out there. So I'm sure you could find one. And you might be thinking, why would I need a visual timer? Um, It's time is a really complicated thing for kids, particularly Mm -hmm. if you have a child with ADHD who like has Mm -hmm. zero. I swear that time passes differently for him. But this has helped so much. Ours looks like a traffic light. And I chose one in which he actually cannot see the time because he comes he becomes really obsessed with the numbers or like patterns and stuff because he he likes that kind of stuff. So this actually hides the remaining time. But um, you can change how, you know, when the lights light up. But ours is set kind of generally that 75% of the set time is in green. Um, then the remaining time is in yellow. And then at like zero, it it changes to red and has a little audible alarm that you can use as well or 
or just the colors. But this is how I find it really, really helpful. It's not that I use it to race against the clock. It's not about being done. It's about him kind of understanding the amount of time we've spent and setting a goal for that time. So like we might set the timer for 25 minutes and then say like we are going to do our math work for this 25 minutes. And our goal is kind of to get this page done. But if we go over, that's great. If we don't get it done, that's Mm -hmm. okay. But he knows that after the 25 minutes, like we're getting a five minute break. And that Mm -hmm. really helps him focus. Like the goal is for the time that this is lit up for us to be focused on this activity, regardless of what gets done. Mm -hmm. Um, We do also use it as like kind of a fun thing for getting chores done or setting the table. We'll set it and try to get it done before the light turns yellow. But I, I save that for low stakes, not for academic stuff. Academic stuff is more like, can we focus for this amount of time? And it's nice because just when he gets kind of fidgety, the yellow light comes on and then it's like, okay, we only have, you know, two minutes left that we have to focus. And then this reward is coming. So I really recommend Mm. it. You can, of course, Google things to do with a visual timer. There's all kinds of fun stuff, but it's been great. I carried around, set it for things. The kids love it. I'm really enjoying it. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for our show. Before you go, please subscribe to the show and leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. Also, if you rely on this show for parenting advice or for some company to keep you sane in this parenting journey, consider signing up for Slate Plus. It's the best way to support this show. It's the best way to support Slate. Members can never hear another ad on our podcast or on any other Slate podcast. And you get bonus content on this show and on other Slate favorites like political gab fest the waves and slow burn to sign up now go to slate.com slash mom and dad plus again that's slate.com slash mom and dad plus if you have a question for us email us at mom and dad at slate.com or post it to the slate parenting facebook group just search for slate parenting this episode of mom and dad are fighting is produced by rosemary belson for jamila lemieux and zach rosen i'm elizabeth newcamp thanks for listening Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.